Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone and welcome back. Happy Wednesday and um, I hope you are having a good week. Um, I hope you enjoyed Monday's episode if you tuned in for that. Um, as I said, I love to to do those kind of roundup episodes. Um, I think it's really fun to listen back to the top tips. Um, and because I think also sometimes we hear stuff and it doesn't necessarily sink in. We don't necessarily action it and um I had a conversation with someone um previously and apologies it's escaped me who it was with (laughs) but um the point um that we discussed was that you can hear all this amazing stuff and you can be like oh yes that I'm, I'm gonna do that thing or I'm gonna take that on board but just having the thought doesn't necessarily lead to action um and then you can kind of come back around and hear it again and go, oh yeah, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna do that thing. Um, I haven't done it yet. Um, and I think that's quite timely to to comment on because today's conversation we're looking really at thoughts and challenging thinking. And um, and and the thing that struck me was that we had this conversation. Oh, last uh, summer or autumn, so uh, a little while ago. And Hannah, who joins us today, who I had a fab conversation with, uh, mentioned the work of Byron Katie and a book and and guided me through that process. And I've recently read the book and it's something at the time I said, I'm going to read it. (laughs) And I completely forgot that we'd had that that part of the the conversation. Um. And then I read the book and and kind of didn't put that association together because so long had kind of passed. I just sort of had that thought, I'm going to read that book. Um, And then hadn't and read the book. And and only when I was listening back and listening, (laughs) did I realise, oh, yeah, that was the book and the process that we went through. And the the process um, that did stick with me. Um, But uh, and and the impact and and the idea of challenging our thoughts. So, um, I guess that's my my thought of the day is as you're listening to this or to any podcast or watching something or reading something and and when you have that moment of wow that I'm going to I'm going to try that thing I'm going to use that tool think about a, a plan to actually do that <laughs> that step of putting it into action um because it's um yeah getting kind of change or moving forward we can't just kind of think about it all the time. And, and there is an important part of, of thinking about it and planning it and, and all of that. But if we don't actually take action, uh, we stay where we are. So, um, yeah, that's my my kind of thought as, as we go into this conversation. If there is something that you really think, yes, I am going to check that out, create a plan to do it, uh, to take that, that step. It doesn't have to be detailed or anything, but just kind of taking that step of actually doing something with that that idea 
So uh, today, yes, we are joined by Hannah and we're thinking really about questioning our thoughts. Um, And as I said, Hannah guides me through a process, which is in Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is, about kind of questioning questioning your thoughts. And those steps that we go through are definitely things that, that you can do for yourself. Uh, and you can check out the book. We also talk about narratives, particularly childhood narratives, and that is something um, I find so interesting. We talked about narratives with Jenna Amos recently. Um, when people come on, we share stories, and uh, we don't often uh, actually unpick the narratives under them. So I think it's really great that we that we do talk about that today and kind of questioning those and whether they are still valid for us. So it was all great stuff that I love chatting about. Uh, and just a little uh, a content warning, if you like, at the beginning that uh, Hannah shares about her childhood experience, a quite traumatic um, childhood experiencing and a reference to, to kind of gun uh, violence. Or um, So if, if that's something that, you know, mentions of guns and stuff like that, that is uh, potentially traumatic or triggering for you, just to, to kind of be mindful, um, I don't think we get into a huge... Um, amount of of detail of the story but just something uh, to be mindful of I like to give content warnings if there's anything that could potentially um, be uh, upsetting and and um, triggering for for people Um, but obviously you know with with anything I think it's about being aware of yourself and being mindful of the kind of place that you're in um, if all that makes sense but it's it's such a fab conversation I really um I really hope that you enjoy it and I will be back super quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome Hannah to the show this week. So Hannah, welcome and if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you, that would be fab. So first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Again, my name is Hannah Mason. I live in Jerusalem, Israel. I'm actually originally from Columbia, South America. And as a kid, we moved to South Florida. We kind of fled to South Florida. Things in Columbia were quite dangerous back then. And um, because of my fleeing experience, I went through a lot of like traumatic, emotional Uh, after effects and have spent most of my life just trying to find tools to experience joy and avoid uh, anxiety and depression. And that has led me to working with people and coming up with incredible tools that help them shift out of places of darkness and having aha moments that's like my favorite thing to gift to people is aha moments amazing yeah I, I love aha moments <laughs> they're, they're fab and joy is is one of our buzzwords um here on the podcast uh, so um yeah I'm, I'm all about joy and, and kind of spreading joy um I'd love to um to hear a bit more about your journey of, of discovering these tools for yourself if you're if you're happy to share what that looked like for you yeah. So, um, so I'll tell you the details. When, when I was five years old, five men came into our house with guns and they had a gun to my mother's head for like two hours and um, scared us to no end, as you can imagine. And somehow my mother convinced these guys that she would put the money together to give to them the next day. And they went with that. 
and came back the next day. But by then, my mother had carted us off to someone else's house, and she'd contacted the police, which was pretty dysfunctional in Colombia, but they actually helped her. And um, long story short, we fled the country within another like 24 hours. And I was only allowed to take one object with me, this bear. He's now in a very sorry state because it's been almost 40 years. And, uh, but he, I love him very much. His name is Cookie. And that's what I was able to take with me to, to America. And um, I, I brought with me to America a whole load of other stuff. And I did what's very typical for a child to do, which is that I assessed the situation in which I found myself um, and made as good a narrative as I could come up with. And because I was five years old, my narrative writing abilities were as good as my knife wielding abilities or my karate abilities or my musical abilities, right? So like at five years old, we're pretty inept. We're not very good at doing stuff, right? And yet we have the story that the, that the narratives we come up with as children are sacred. We're very deeply attached to them as though there's a lot of wisdom to them. And although there's a lot of beauty in children, they're kind of dumb, right? They just don't lack, uh, they don't have the life experience to develop healthy narratives with a bigger understanding of the big picture. So um, I came up with a whole bunch of pretty nasty narratives, one of which was there are bad men in the world who are out to get me and they will follow me everywhere I go. And so I spent my entire childhood absolutely petrified of life. And that was a pretty scary place to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even um, imagine how how terrifying that experience was. And then that upheaval and, and having to to leave your home and take just just one thing. Um, but um, I, I really love the way that you just summarized that that idea of these childhood narratives, because, yes, I absolutely think we we have them and we think that they're they're completely true and and they were to us at the time and they probably still do have maybe some elements of truth but the way that you see the world when you're five and the way you see the world as an adult are very different and and to have that narrative of, of people being constantly after you must have been really difficult to to kind of carry with you yeah it meant that like every single night I had nightmares and there were always really bad characters in the nightmares. Sometimes I was kidnapped. Sometimes it was more fantastical. Like there was like a witch chasing after me and people would say, oh, come up with like something good to fight the bad guys. Um, but one of the stories I had was also that I was powerless to do anything. And so because I was powerless, I kept picturing myself being like stuck, like glued to the earth and not being able to protect myself. And um, I'd come up with Care Bears. Do you remember Care Bears? Is that like part of your childhood um, at all? Is a big, big thing for yeah, me. Yeah, uh, uh, not a massive part of my childhood, but I do know of them and yeah. Yeah, so I was really obsessed with the Care Bears. And so I came up with this whole thing that the Care Bears were gonna come and protect me. And then the witch would come and eat the Care Bears. That was like my nightmares. And, um, and then eventually when I got old enough, I guess when I, you know, hit puberty, I came up with a story that bad men were going to come after me and rape me. That was like, that was like an added thing because bad men coming into your house is kind of a rape, you know, it's not, you know, physically touching you, but they're very much going into your penetrating your personal space. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
so yeah, it's just like scared of life. I'd literally walk down the street and just be scared of the sound of anyone behind me and constantly be turning over my shoulder. And, and so I had so much like anxiety that built up and then eventually that led to massive depression. And what I've spent my life doing is trying to figure out, okay, like, how do we, how do we flip that around? And so now literally what I do when I work with people is help them look at all of the beliefs that are underpinning their lives and questioning them. And for a lot of us, like these beliefs are so sacred. I used to talk about how my beliefs were etched into my bones. Like I thought they were so integral, so integrally a part of me that, uh, for example, I was worthless, right? That's one that's like super common. We all walk around with that one. Um, But to think that that's etched into your bones means it's like totally not reversible, retrievable, redeemable. It's, it's scary to live that way. And I guess if you've lived with a belief like that for such a long period of time, that shapes how you see the world. And, and so you're going to keep finding evidence for it, if you like, and um, moving away from that. And, and well, I'm sure it's something we can explore how we move away from that and change uh, some of these beliefs around ourselves. Um, was there like a specific moment where, because I think when when you've been carrying beliefs like that in a way of seeing the world from such a young age, was there a moment when you kind of realized, actually, maybe that's not how the world is, or maybe there is, there's something wrong with this, this belief that's not accurately kind of reflecting the world? Or was it like a gradual kind of, uh, yeah. So I want to say it was mostly gradual, but I, I went to a lot of psychotherapists and they weren't helpful. And so I knew that there had to be something else and I knew that it, it had to be in me. So I, ha- I had a, a parallel experience where I had like skin stuff like eczema and I'd go to the dermatologist and they would throw cortisone at me. And I understood that cortisone didn't actually heal. It just kind of told my body to shut up. And it felt like a parallel experience. Like if I was going to heal my skin, it was going to be up to me. And if I was going to heal my anxiety, that was also going to be up to me and that I needed to collect tools. And somehow I got my hands on the writings of a man named Barry Neal Kaufman. He runs a center called the Option Institute in Massachusetts in the United States. And he wrote like his most famous kind of magnum opus is a book called To Love Is To Be Happy With which is very similar to Brian Katie's Loving What Is. And about a year or two into my reading his stuff, like I got so, so into him and so into what he was saying. And I knew that I was latching onto truth. I didn't exactly know how to apply it to my life, but I knew there was just pure truth in what he was saying. Um, My girlfriend found Loving What Is and she read it and swallowed it whole and said, you have to read this book. And I read it and I passed it to another girlfriend and it literally spread like wildfire among our circle of friends. And that was about 11, 12 years ago. And this group of friends, we sat together once a week. We met for a few hours uh, every week for a few years and worked this material and learned how to question our thinking. And I used to be so ashamed of my thoughts so ashamed of them. But once you see that everybody's got mostly the same thoughts and you see that thoughts are no big deal, they don't define who you are. They're just like, 
I, I kind of like to think of it as like you're a harbor and they're just boats that come and park themselves at your harbor. It's not particularly shameful or humiliating and you can't even take credit for it. And once I got that, then let, that changed everything because it made it so easy for me to be open. And the more open you are, the easier it is for you to question your thinking because you're willing to look at it. And the easier it is for you to ask other people to help give you feedback on how you can shift that thinking into other modes of perception. And I just facilitated so many people so many times and I just got really, really good at it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And that's a lot of what I do. And I've just just keep adding tools and keep adding guided imagery tools. And um, my background in theater really helps me take people through an experience where they can shift from where they're stuck to a different place. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I love that analogy of the harbor and, and the ships, because I think that gives you that separation. It's not when, when we have these thoughts pop into our head, I think it can be easy to think, oh, I'm a bad person if they're negative thoughts maybe that actually if they're just ships passing and we're just seeing them them come in it's it's not really saying anything about us it's just that they're happening and I mean that I'm gonna check out the book I've written it down (laughs) and having that that community to really be able to explore this together I imagine must have made it so much I don't know more um supportive or powerful to have those conversations and as you are exploring your own thinking to hear other people's experiences and I think that can really help with that it's not just me lots of people have have these thoughts that that pop into our heads in particular you said about the the feeling of uh, worthiness which um as you said is such a common one that that lack of self-worth yeah that that feeling of of um of validation that we so often seek is really at the center point. It's one of the center points of the courses that I teach. So, you know, when I'm teaching courses and I'm teaching people the process of how to question their thinking and tools for identifying the thoughts getting in their way, questioning their thinking and shifting into a higher state of consciousness, I'll facilitate one person. And that person we'll talk about, you know, whatever situation is going on in their lives. And then I have the entire collective student body, which it's usually somewhere between 40 and 60 people. I have everyone write down all of the thoughts that they're hearing this person say, or that they kind of presume are sitting under the surface. And it's amazing how even, you know, total amateurs who've never done this before, it's the first time experiencing this material. They have such an easy time guessing what thoughts are sitting in this person's harbor. And I think it's because we're thought so many of our thoughts are so universal. But then the cool thing is I ask them, how many of you have had these thoughts? And then boom, you know, we do this on Zoom. And so there's like the Zoom chat just goes nuts. Yep, 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 me too, me too, me too, me too. And I tell the person I'm facilitating, what you're doing is you're liberating everyone else from feeling like they're alone and should be ashamed of what they're thinking because now they see that it's like, oh, everybody's got this. It's no big deal. It's huge. Yeah, and that sounds like such a powerful experience. And and that idea of identifying the thoughts getting in our own way, I think sometimes we can be too close to it that it can be difficult to see it for ourselves. But when other people are sharing as in, in um, when you're facilitating someone, spotting them in someone else <laughs> maybe feels easier sometimes because you've got that, that element of being removed but yeah it just sounds like um, an amazing uh, amazing workshop I guess I don't know what (laughs) course 
yeah, yeah basically yeah. yeah um so I wonder whether um you can share with us ways you know if there are any ways obviously don't give away all your uh, your top secrets um but ways for ourselves that we can start to identify thoughts in ourselves or use some of these tools to challenge our own thinking yeah so my absolute favorite tool is what I call the one question and it's something that I teach all of my students over and over and over again and it's basically this so imagine that you're in a situation where you're under stress so Hannah, I'm gonna ask you to do this, okay? So picture a situation in the past week where you just felt yucky. Do you know what? I'm, I've got the week off and I'm finding it hard to picture something which is a good sign that it's been a chilled out week. <laughs> so you, you could pick, you yeah. know, it's amazing. You could picture the week before, it doesn't matter, or in the past month or whatever it is, or you just felt yucky, okay. you're upset or yeah. frustrated or whatever it is. Okay, so you don't need to tell us the situation. I just want like one marker to help put you back there in case I need to. So can you tell me physically where you are? In this um, pretty much where I am now <laughs> recording. This is where I work as well. So uh, it's a kind of work related situation. So so this is your office, your yeah. recording studio? Yeah, my kind of okay. home office. Home office. Okay, great. So, so I want you to just close your eyes and just notice what particular flavor of yucky you've got going on at the moment? What are you, what are you noticing in your body? Uh, the kind of like butterflies in my tummy, that kind of um, feeling, how do I feel? Kind of tense and on edge. Okay, perfect. So you've got this tension on edge. So I want you to just hold space for that tension on an edge. We're not telling it to go away. We're not telling it that it's bad. We're not trying to run away from it, which is how most of us are habituated to being. We think that our goal is to be happy at all costs. And so when we feel unhappy, we, we go straight for the beer or the chocolate or the cocaine or the cell phone. Mm. But what we're going to do right now is say, okay, this is, this is my experience right now. And there's a presumption that whatever physiological and emotional experience you're having is a product of a thought that you're believing. So this is the one question. What am I believing right now that's making me feel this way? So the first thing that popped into my head was that I'm not doing enough, but I think underneath that, <laughs> There's another layer, which is probably, and this is one of my, my uh, big ones that I'm lugging around with me, uh, that I am not enough. I think that often for me comes back to. So I think, yeah. Okay, so I like I'm not doing enough because I'm not enough is like really, really yeah. big, but I'm not doing enough is super common. We've all got it. So I, I like the flavor mm -hmm. of that one. So let's go okay. with that, okay? And everyone in the audience who's listening, I'm sure you can relate to moments where you felt like you weren't doing enough. And so you can go to that moment in your mind and I can guide you just as I'm guiding Hannah here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take you through a process of inquiry uh, created by Byron Katie in her book, Loving What Is. And this is just the simplest process of inquiry that, um, that I can teach. There's lots of other processes, but this is the quickest one. So in that moment, there you are, picture yourself, you're sitting in your home office and you're believing the thought that you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Is it true that you're not doing enough? Maybe. <laughs> 
Um, it's a yes or no question, so just pick one. Yes, I think for that. <laughs> At that time, that was actually a true thought. Um, mm. And can you absolutely know that it's true that you're not doing enough? No, no, I no, I think I'm I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to. How do you feel in your body when you believe that thought? That that I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Um, guilty. Yeah, I kind of feel ugh. <laughs> Like um, a sense that yeah, that I should be doing I should be doing more even though I'm doing what I'm supposed to I should be doing more. <laughs> so yeah, so you feel guilty. What else do you feel in your body when you're believing that thought? Kind of heavy, like kind of slumped, um, tired. Uh, like I just can't be bothered and want to run away. <laughs> um. Yeah, kind of resentful, like um, that I don't want to be doing more. If you had to guess, who are you, res- right? So who are you resentful of? Well, initially what popped into my head was um, <laughs> like, not my boss directly, but you know, the, the company, but actually like myself, because I'm, I'm the one <laughs> that works there, if that makes sense, or I'm the one that's, yeah. It makes so much sense. I love that you said that you're resentful because that's actually the the word for what so many people have a difficult time, like exactly pinning down that word. They'll they'll catch that emotional Mm. experience, but it's like right there, the resentful, right? So people will experience resentment whether someone else has assigned them a task or they've assigned Mm. it to themselves. And the reason is that if someone else assigns you a task, in order for it to be belong to you, you have to choose to accept mm. that task. So like I could tell you, Hannah, will you please do my laundry tomorrow? And you'll just blow me off because you're not coming to Jerusalem to wash my clothes. And so <laughs> right away, it's not relevant to you. Do you get, so you don't feel resentful that you didn't yeah. get it done or that you have to do it or whatever it is. Okay. So what happens is that we, 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 absorb inside of ourselves what I call the school marm. It's like this like nasty, mean old lady who's like pointing a finger at us or, you know, the the guy at the circus with the whip trying to whip us into Mm -hmm. shape. And so here's the question. What is it that you're hoping to accomplish by believing the thought that you're not doing enough? Um. I guess, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe doing more, but maybe having some kind of acknowledgement for doing a good job, um, like some kind of positive feedback or praise to. So if you believe the thought that you're not doing enough, you're going to get positive feedback and praise. That's the logical <laughs> thread. Well, yes but also not really logical but um yeah that's kind of yeah that if I do more then yeah so I right so I kind of think that there's a step in the middle which is that my get and you just said it Mm. if I do more right if you believe that you're not doing enough then Mm. you'll do more and if you do more then you'll get praise Mm. right 
So the belief is there to push you to do more. Mm -hmm. And then there's like other consequences you're hoping from doing more. Yeah. Okay. So here's the question. What did you say was your actual reaction to believing the thought? That it was the resentment and the kind of guilt and all of that. And yeah, feeling stressed about it. And you also said that you, um, you lost Mm. energy. (laughs) (laughs) you get the problem so you're hoping to do more and you know you could ask yourself the question everyone in your audience could ask the same question how much more do you do when you feel guilty resentful (laughs) and tired do we do more or do we do less and you could apply this thought to so many other areas of your life this this logical thread for example if you believe that you should lose weight it'll make you want to eat more And um, I was just listening to an NPR podcast today where they were talking about behavioral economists looking for ways to encourage people to engage in positive behaviors. And one of the challenges is that if you yell at someone, they're more likely not Mm. to do it. So you have to find a way to massage someone into the kind of behaviors you want them to do. Otherwise you're gonna get a backlash. Mm. So when you believe that you're not doing enough, you're basically yelling at yourself and you think that that'll motivate you, but it's incredibly demotivating. Yeah. Crazy, right? Well, And it's, it's so interesting to, to go through the process with you because the, you know, things come out when you're prompted that you hadn't anticipated. And then you can kind of see <laughs> the faulty logic. Um, whereas you might have that sort of idea of, oh, well, I know this isn't doing me much good, but actually having it really demonstrated the way you just have, I think is, yeah, really powerful for kind of really drawing your attention to it and really questioning, "Mm, am I (laughs) I getting in my own way with with this? Right, And, and actually asking questions is what helps so much. That's why inquiry is so cool because you're taking yourself through a logical process of saying, okay, does... You know, you're like, oh, well, if I do A, then I'll get B. And it's like, okay, well, let's see. In the real world, does that happen? Does A actually lead to B? Mm. You know, so like somebody might think that if they accumulate enough cars, then everyone will love them. And it's like, okay, well, let's look out in the real world. Do the people who have the most cars get the most love? Does that, does that tend to follow through? And if it doesn't, so then your whole logic falls mm. apart. And so what's happening right now in your mind is that you have this really strong neural connection between believing the thought that you're not doing enough and wanting to do more, but that the threads connecting those two things are starting to fall apart, which is helpful, but it's only fully helpful if we also give you somewhere else to go, right? It's kind of like, you know, at the train station where they can move the track over so that you end up going in a different direction. So it's like, we actually need to move the track over. Now that you see that there's a hole in the track you're on, well, if that's the only track there is, you're gonna take it anyway. So we need to give you a different track to go on. And this is where I think Byron Katie's um, process is really brilliant. She introduces this concept called a turnaround, which is the opposite of your original statement. And this is where you have the opportunity to create real change in your life, to take action and move forward. So tell me, what's the opposite of you're not doing enough? I'm doing too much. (gasps) Great. Okay. So remember how you were saying how when you believe something, you're like always collecting evidence to like support Mm. its, its veracity. I kind of think of it as if you're running a courtroom 
but there's only one side. There's only a prosecution and there's no defense. Mm. And it's like, well, if there's only a prosecution, of course the judge and jury are going to judge in a certain way. But if you want to run a fair courtroom, if you actually want to run a fair mind, you need to explore all of the different possibilities. So what we need to do is use the same process that your prosecuting attorney used where he was like stacking up all this evidence. We're going to stack evidence to this new thought that you're doing too much. So Mm -hmm. can you give me at least three examples of how it's true that you're doing too much? (laughs) Oh, my diary. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um... Let me think. I mean, um, not getting enough sleep because often being like busy in the evening and kind of you know working into the evening. Um, what else? Not having time sometimes to, to like cook a healthy lunch or um, you know, because of being too busy and um. And, and I guess feeling um, struggling to relax, I think the, none of these are, well, mm. maybe a bit tangible, but that kind of feeling always being wound um, up. Yeah, wound up and not being able to kind of fully settle, always having something else to go on to. Um, yeah. Amazing. So you could also keep adding to this pile of evidence and start thinking about like, okay, are there tasks that you're doing that maybe you could outsource to someone else or the tasks that you're doing that aren't even worth outsourcing to someone else, they're just useless. So, you know, I've been going through a process of, of, you know, going through all of my social media and deciding, okay, is this necessary? Is this not necessary? Is this marketing tack that I'm doing in my business necessary? Is it not? And what things can I eliminate so I don't feel like I'm doing too much? Hmm right? It's a totally different way of seeing, right? Because before you were saying you weren't doing enough and now you're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually really overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it allows you to be significantly more in touch with reality because now you're looking at all the evidence rather than having this really myopic perspective on only one slice of the pie. Mm. Yeah. That's really powerful. Um, I'm wondering now what I can outsource. <laughs> like, do you want to come over to the UK and do my laundry? Uh, <laughs> you pay for my plane ticket. I will come and do your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm sure I could just bribe my partner and that'll be much more cost effective. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a really interesting, I think, because if someone just says to you, um, you know, what, what can you outsource or um, it's, it's that guiding you through it. So you really clearly see the, <laughs> the kind of the, how it's actually illogical, you, you know, it's following a logical thread, but actually it doesn't really represent reality at all. And it makes that really crystal clear to you. So there's no kind of avoidance, but no, oh, well, I just, if I just do this or if I just do that, and so then when you're thinking about, well, what can I outsource? And, you know, I've got, this is like my, my side business, if you like, and, and I'm a bit of a control freak and I'm sort of like, oh, I want to do everything. But actually, probably <laughs> it would be better to outsource some things to have that space and to have that 
headspace really to be able to do things better because you're not constantly tired or drained or whatever and I think having that support to kind of go through it just makes it really clear so then when you have that question of you know what can you let go of what can you outsource you're really in that place of like yeah (laughs) something's got to give um there's no kind of denial of the reality of the situation if that makes sense yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and for everyone listening, um, hopefully you found it useful and it, you know, something to maybe go back through and, and to think, think through for, for yourself, but um, amazing. Um, I would love to, well, actually, before I ask you my, my set questions, I wonder if you have a, a final, a final thought on mindset, overthinking, uh, anything that we've talked about or not talked about that you'd like to share with us. Just the ability to recognize that you are, therefore you think, and that Descartes had it backwards is huge. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for, for guiding me through that. Um, that My exercise. pleasure. Yeah. So yes, I would love to, um, to hear your thoughts on my set questions I ask everyone. And my first one, uh, we started this um one of my buzzwords as well uh, is joy so I'd love to know what brings you joy in your life um being silly brings me joy of being with children and this week was awesome because we finally broke out of lockdown here in Israel and so my husband and I spent the entire week in the north and Um, we set our goal for ourselves that we're going to hit as many national parks as we can this year. And somehow focusing on this external goal that that's very playful and fun just made it so cool. It's like, we're kind of like racing against the year to see how many parks we can hit. And we hit seven this week, which was so cool. Wow. Was that just in this week or that you've done so far? Just in this week. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, And so then my next question is, what makes life meaningful for you? I noticed that being in a state of service where I'm serving people either by feeding them, which is a big thing for me, um, or nourishing them emotionally or physically is also really sweet. That that for me makes makes life really meaningful, being of service to other people Um, Mm -hmm. and also being in relationship with people. And like I've kind of gotten that, that, that expands also to everything that is that me being in relationship with the trees and the ocean and the sky is, is part of being in relationship. And like, when I experience the aliveness of the world, then it's just like, I have so many more friends. It's so cool. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh, fab. Um, So my next two questions are around our kind of overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental wellness, mental well-being. So the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? What does mental wellness mean to me? Mm. Mental wellness means that you have enough of an understanding of how the mind works to know that part of life is having ups and downs and that you have a tool belt of tools to help you move through the downs and, um, and shift into more experiences of ups and, um, and, and not get stuck there. Mm. Awesome. And then the follow-up question is for yourself, how do you look after your mental well-being? So how do you not get stuck there for yourself? 
How do I not get stuck mm-hmm. there? I got so many things in my tool belt. It's so great. So music is huge. My husband's really awesome because he likes to laugh and he's hilarious. Um, I have a yoga practice, a meditation practice, a prayer practice. I walk a lot in nature and nature has a million ways that it's it nourishes us. Sunshine is huge. Um, and I have this one friend, Noga, who I have a lot of friends, but this one friend is so much fun because when we're together, we have these really intense intellectual discourses while simultaneously being in a state of totally childish play and wonder. And we'll see a flower and the two of us are like, oh, look at that flower. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. You know, and then we're like start talking about, well, where does it grow? Why does it grow there? And blah, blah, blah. And this is that. It just like makes life so curious and playful and constantly learning and growing. And I love it. So being around people like that is huge mm. for me. Sounds like being kind of open to the joy of seeing the flower and yeah, really appreciating what's around you. But yeah, amazing. Yeah. So my next question is often a challenge for people, um, but we'll see. Um, and it is, uh, are you able to describe your own mindset? Ooh, that is a challenging question. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like my mindset is constantly uh, shifting depending on the moment of the day. But um, there's something Marie Forleo says, and I think I've really ingrained it into my life. She says, everything is figure outable. Um, so I used to walk around with, I'm trapped. That was like a big thing for me was believing that I'm trapped. And I no longer believe that. I believe that like, there's always a way to get out of the situation that I'm in. And there's always solutions out there and that, and this too shall pass. Those are kind of the, um, and that life is about learning and growth and service. And if I can take the challenging experience I'm in and use it as a tool to help others grow, then I'm not suffering. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's really powerful. And I think partly for myself with the podcast, being able to separate from that suffering that you might have been experiencing and, and to use it to help other people, it kind of transforms your relationship with that thing. Um, yeah, amazing. So th- this is my favorite question to ask. And you said that you have lots of things in your, your toolbox. So that's great. Um, and um, we basically are kind of creating our own toolbox on the show. So everyone that comes on, I ask to leave us with between one and three top tips of things we can put in our own toolbox, things that we can try that are going to have a massive impact in our lives. And we've already talked about so many amazing things in this episode, but do you have a top one to three tips that you can leave us with? Yes. So question your thinking. And um, I really take people through a very simple, easy to follow step-by-step process in my book, Hold That Thought. And it's free. So please take it, download it, enjoy it so that, you know, you can learn. And um, I have 22 tools in that book and each tool is expounded upon through an actual dialogue I've had with a client. And um and note cards, which I'm just going to leave kind of vague. Uh, note cards are a tool that my husband created. We wrote a, 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 a novel together. It's a personal growth novel called The Size of Your Dreams. And people just love this book. It's a total page turner. It's a really fun read. And along the way, you're also learning tools for personal growth. And at the center of them are these note cards that people can use to manifest the lives of their dreams. And that's like, those are my biggest tools that I give to clients. 
And the other is to not underestimate the power of your imagination, that the words that you use, the metaphors that you use, and the images that come into your mind are really important. And being able to, to tap into that can really help you shift the direction that you're moving. Amazing. Thank you for sharing those. And note cards, that's intriguing. So um, <laughs> you have to check out check out the book to find out more. Um, and so that brings us nicely to the, the final question, which is where people can find you online if they're interested in working with you, if they want to find your books, where can they find you? So my website is hanamason.com. That's C-H-A-N-A-M-A-S-O-N.com. And if you go to hanamason.com slash books, you can see all of my books and access free digital downloads of them. Obviously, we also sell them on Amazon. We have audiobooks to go with each of our books, but that's just like an easy way to access the free versions. Amazing. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find find your website and, and find them from there. Thank you so much, Hannah. I've loved our conversation. Um, I found it really personally and, uh, you know, one of the nice things about having a podcast is you can be a little bit selfish and nosy and get <laughs> for yourself. And I personally have got a lot, <laughs> a lot from it as well as it just being a fantastic conversation and that I'm sure my listeners will really appreciate as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad it's been a pleasure. So thanks again to Hannah for uh, for joining us. And as I said, I have now read <laughs> Loving What Is. Uh, and actually what was really interesting is I read it as part of a book club. So uh, as you may know, I'm doing um, more studying because I love to learn as I'm completing a diploma in transformational life coaching. And uh, within the community that I'm studying with, they have a monthly book club. And I've been to a few of those. And one of the books was... Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And, and so actually I re- read it and then went to the book club where we discussed it and, and not so much going through the steps, but kind of reflecting on the process and how we found it. And when I did read it, I did go through that process again. And it's something I'm, I'm not sure if I'm kind of 100% sold on in that uh, I think it is a great way of challenging thoughts. And, and as you kind of witnessed in uh, this episode when Hannah guided me through it, um, I think for myself, it's where there are things that are maybe traumatic um, and really raw, whether it's um, whether it's the most appropriate approach that maybe there is uh, something about um, processing the trauma first before we're kind of questioning if it's true and the workarounds or, or something around that. But this is where I kind of say it's important to to be open-minded and to try stuff and kind of take, you know, what you want from it. And I think for me, the things that, that I love about it, that question, that question, is it true? And is it really true? Because often we'll be like, yeah, it's true. And then when we go under it, it's like, no, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's not always true. And that, that kind of questioning it and the... The, the to kind of switch around um I I think is quite can be quite illuminating and there's also something um I'm not sure that we mentioned in this conversation but a question I did really love um in in Byron Katie's book which is uh, who would you be without this thought and and I guess for the example we shared in here who would I be without that thought if I'm not doing enough and I don't know way more chilled probably and maybe more productive 
because I wouldn't have any of that guilt or resentment or all that kind of complex stuff that's coming up and um, probably be more present and and all that kind of stuff. So that was um, a really standout question for me and one I'm definitely going to use in my coaching when we're looking at beliefs of, um, and I guess also with the stories, you know, when we started with the narratives of who would I be without that story? Um, because the stories, they, they shape how we see the world. And, and if we have different stories, we'll see the world differently. We'll approach things differently. We will maybe make different choices. Um, and so I guess my, my final thought for the day is, it's about being reflective. And this is something that, that I try to do, not, <laughs> not always, uh, uh, refer back to my point of completely forgetting that we discussed this book um but I do try and, and reflect on the things and to try to kind of understand where my head's at and to understand my thought processes and to try and kind of be in tune with what's going on for me and try is the operative word because uh sometimes we kind of <laughs> fall off that we get into the habitual patterns etc cetera, etc cetera. but I think trying to come back to that point of reflecting and particularly with things on the podcast that we share lots and lots of different things from different perspectives and some of it you might be like yes 100% agree <laughs> some you might be like 100% don't agree and then in the middle it's kind of well which bits do I agree with which bits feel true for me and in what situations um and as much as it's it's um it's really interesting to listen to podcasts it's I think maybe more valuable when when we kind of actually interact with the material a little bit and we do that reflection or we kind of use it as a lens to look at our life and I was listening to um to an episode of Kathy Heller's podcast recently, um, Don't Keep Your Day Job. And it was um, it was all about money mindset. And there was something that they said, and I just thought it was like they were in my mind, you know, when you have those moments, you're like, oh, that is so me. And that realisation and that kind of insight to yourself is really powerful but then it's kind of like what do you what do you do with it and so a particular situation was this idea that we can like put out into um the universe if you like if we're trying to change um our relationship with money and attract more money and manifestation if that's something that you're uh, kind of into um but this idea that we can kind of put out to the universe this idea um, of hey I'm a good person and if I attracted all this money I would I'd be so generous and I'd give it away and um, because I'm a good person and so therefore universe hey look at me I deserve you <laughs> sending me this money and I said like, oh yes that's <laughs> my thoughts so the thought is I want to attract money but to like give it away and it kind of that has that uh, I probably haven't described it very well but um, it it really <laughs> it was something really struck me it was like well yes, that was a really powerful realisation of actually that kind of is um, my thought process of, you know, attracting money to then be able to help people and kind of give it away. But actually that powerful realisation and how that's maybe a kind of 
a, th a flawed thought that I need to be worthy of money and deserving to, to kind of attract it. What do you do with that realization? How do you take that new insight and do something differently? Um, and I guess it brings me back to my, my first thought earlier um, about that kind of action that there is something really important about insight and about awareness and understanding ourselves better. But we don't go anywhere if we don't really kind of do anything with it or change things or do things differently as a result of that. It's kind of, I guess, taking that theory, the theoretical idea, and it's applying it is the application bit. So, um, yeah, if you've had insights from this episode or any episode, or anything that has happened in your day today, um, how are you applying it? How are you taking that? And, um, and maybe trying things a little bit differently. So for myself today, I mean, it's, it's Saturday. Uh, I have my, my thoughts of doing too much. Uh, I'm going to go and have a power nap. <laughs> That's my, um, I'm doing a little bit of podcast editing. I'm going to have some lunch and then I am going to take a power nap because actually, you know, thinking I need to do more, I need to do more. That is draining. And actually, um, to have more energy, to be able to do things well, to, to kind of feel better, all of that. Um, I need to think about energy management. And at the moment I'm tired. I was volunteering in the early hours of the morning. Uh, I've just had my COVID vaccine. Uh, <laughs> I had a fairly busy morning. Um, I have done some stuff today and some good stuff. And it is also, uh, one of my down days and days off. So I am going to take all of this, these thoughts and this learning, and I'm going to do a bit of nurturing myself um, and have a power nap because I do love a good power nap. So that's my kind of, uh, not necessarily an immediate uh, link and follow on to um, to the insights I've gained today, but that's, uh, that's my application anyway. So um, for yourself, think about what you are going to do to actually action something or um, apply something um, if you want to. You don't have to. Um, again, <laughs> take what you need, leave the rest. I think that's a, a great um, maxim to have. It's uh, kind of knowing what's what's right for you, what's true for you, and learning to listen to yourself. Um, and maybe that looks like taking some kind of action. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, it's all cool. <laughs> but that's that's everything for today I feel like I'm just uh waffling and that's always a good sign to to round things up um but again massive thank you to Hannah for joining us for this conversation kicking off our kind of next round of 15 shows and there are some amazing conversations to look forward to in the coming weeks um so please do, if you haven't already, subscribe so that each new episode will just appear magically in whatever, um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have enjoyed this show or if you enjoy the show generally, please do rate and review. It really means a lot. And um, I guess a little a little plug of stuff that, that I've got going on. On the 7th of April, I'm hosting a free webinar around about an hour uh, on podcasting and, and how you can start your own show. Um, it's something people ask me about. Uh, I really love podcasting and think it's an amazing medium, an amazing platform. 
so kind of sharing my my lessons learned and my top tips and an opportunity for people to ask questions. Uh, so if you're interested, Wednesday 7th of April at 5pm British summertime, uh, yeah, British summertime, we will be there. Then please do kind of book in. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching, there is a link in uh, in my profile, in the Psyche Coaching profile, to book in to that webinar. Um, and just to, yeah, find out, find out more, some top tips. I am, um, I think it's a, it's a great way of connecting with people and having conversations and spreading whatever message you, you feel passionate um, about sharing in the world. You know, I guess bringing it back to the narratives idea, we've all got stories and, and things to share. And I, and I think it's a great way of, of doing that. So if you're interested, join us for that. Uh, but everyone, please do have a good week. Um, we'll be back on Monday with another episode. Until then, please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. 